401k advisors want to build a scalable practice, but aren't always sure what to do next. Welcome to Outcomes, the podcast designed to help advisors think, make decisions, and cast a vision to create a business for the future. Here's your host, Ross Marino, financial planner, author, speaker, and CEO of Advisor2x. Welcome to Outcomes, the podcast. Today, I'm joined by Jamie Greenleaf, principal at Kafaro Greenleaf. Jamie, welcome to the show. Thanks. Thanks for having me. So a few years ago, you mentioned an experience you had with a client. They asked you for help with an HSA. You did some research, you did some due diligence, and it kind of changed your path professionally. Can you share that story? So I think it's very interesting where life takes you. But this client asked me about five years ago if I could help them with an RFP on an HSA vendor. And of course, like every good consultant, we say yes to everything before we actually know what it means. <laughs> I got into the car and I quickly Googled HSAs. And I thought, wow, these are incredible accounts. You know, why are more people not talking about them? And the more research that I started to do on HSA accounts, the more I really started to understand the healthcare market and what was going on in that space and the impact that it was having on our employers as well as our employees. And it you know, gave me a minute to pause and say, wow, something's gotta change here because the healthcare system is broken and it's having a major impact on the ability for employers to cut costs and also for employees to save for healthcare expenses throughout their lifetime. And ultimately that's, that's where I am today, trying to uh, you know, shake it up a little bit and uh, become a, and be a, a relentless advocate for employers and employees to take control of their healthcare costs. So broken's a, a big word. It's not just not working efficiently, it's broken. How about you describe some ways how the system is broken? Sure. I think most people would say that healthcare has some issues. Um, and for many years, people have said the system is broken. And the reality is, is that the healthcare system is pitted against the end user, which is us, the consumers. And there are trillions of dollars that give us enough reason to have conflicts of interest. And that's what's happened. Doctors truly care about their patients and the care that their patients are receiving. But when you take away the doctor and you start to look at the insurance companies and you start to look at the brokers, you start to see the incentives that are being laid out there that ultimately create waste. So let's take a look at a couple of those. The first thing that drive healthcare costs up are the selection of the healthcare plan that the participant or the employee selects. 80% of us overinsure ourselves. That's a huge number. That means that we're putting premiums into the system that are never actually used by us as the consumer. And ultimately they're making the healthcare companies extremely wealthy. So the question becomes, why are we selecting the wrong plan? Well, if you think about open enrollment, it's very overwhelming. We have a tendency to select the same box that we did last year, but it also comes down to plan design. If nobody's really educating us as to the differences, then we need to have a better plan design to kind of push our change of behavior. So when you look at how brokers are paid, traditionally they've been paid on commissions. Commissions are paid based upon premiums. Now, if I'm a broker who's paid on commissions, and I go to an employer and say, hey, I'd like to implement this high deductible healthcare plan. My premiums are going to go down if employees adopt that plan. 
and ultimately my commissions go down. So that's conflict number one. Now it doesn't happen with all brokers, but there is a sense that it is going on out there, unfortunately. The second thing that drives healthcare costs are claims. So the higher the employer's claims are, the more they're gonna pay in healthcare premiums the following year. So how do we control claims? Well, we have to know what things cost in order to compare claims or control claims. There's total lack of transparency. When you sit with a doctor and the doctor says to you, I'd like you to go get an MRI, you'll say to the doctor, what's the MRI gonna cost? The doctor doesn't know, you don't know. So there's total lack of transparency. There's a thousand percent variation in pricing in network for the same procedure. So if I happen to go get a rotary cuff repair, I could spend $2,500 or I could spend $12,000. If I spend $12,000, my claims costs go up as an employer and I pay premiums based upon the 12,000 instead of the 2,500. So total lack of transparency from the carriers. On the 29th of October, Trump uh, put a new regulation into effect called transparency and coverage, which is gonna require that all employers provide transparency around cost of care. Hopefully that will drive some of the costs down, which ultimately will be beneficial to the employer. The problem is, is that people don't care what things cost because we've lived in a black box for so long. So here's what happens. <clears throat> I hit my deductible, my out-of-pocket expense. Now I don't care what things cost, even when I do start to know what they cost. I don't care because I think there's this magical you know, insurance ferry that comes in and starts to pay for them. So depending on what research you read, 30 to 90% of the bills that we receive after a procedure is done are incorrect. So how, as a consumer, do we know that they're incorrect? Well, A, most of us don't care because we've hit our deductible and it's not our problem. But that's all waste. And that waste comes directly back to us as an additional cost. And so really, when you think about it, there are major things that are driving the insurance or the healthcare system to be broken as opposed to, you know, just needing a few tweaks here and there. It sounds like transparency is a big issue and it's now 2020. It's the age of big data. We should be able to have access to this data and someone should be able to figure it out. Do you see movement towards harvesting this data and making these changes or is it still pretty slow moving? Transparency tools have been out there for probably the last five to seven years. Getting the data can be difficult and then determining if the data is correct can also be difficult. But again, transparency is just a portion of the problem. If people don't care what things cost, transparency doesn't help. So I think of it this way. If I walk into the store with my son and he wants a pack of gum, he grabs the pack of gum and he puts it onto the conveyor belt and I pay for it. He doesn't think anything of it. Now, if I give my son an allowance and we walk into the store, he's gonna ask what the cost of that gum is and determine if he wants to spend his allowance dollars on that gum. So transparency is helpful, but we now need to give people an allowance, so to speak, so that they care about what things cost and that it's not just, oh, well, mom's paying the dollar, I don't care. But if I'm paying the dollar and I can get it for 75 cents, then I start to care. 
So transparency will be helpful, but at the end of the day, there's more to it than just understanding cost of care. So it sounds like if it isn't going to cost me money, I'm going to be more apt to seek care. And that certainly makes sense, right? No harm, no foul on my end. Might as well go do what, whatever I feel like doing. That's an easily abused system. I get that. But making me pay for it and now having me make a decision on what I should do or shouldn't do, sounds like there could be some risks there as well. What, what do you think could backfire in that situation? Well, I, I don't think that if you set your plan up properly, that people will not go get the care that's needed, but they'll be more conscious about the care they're receiving. They'll ask questions. Um, I was speaking to a gentleman the other day who said that his son fell and hurt his leg. And it was determined by the pediatrician that it was muscular. But he said, I'd like you to go get an MRI just so we can determine if there's a tear in the muscle. When he got to the hospital or where he was going to get the procedure, I don't know if it was a hospital to be quite honest. They said to him, oh, we can't do the MRI until we actually take an x-ray. And he said, well, wait a second. Why do you need to take an x-ray before you do the MRI? The pediatrician's already determined that it's muscular and not structural. And at the end of the day, he actually had to get on the call with the insurance company because the facility said, well, the insurance company requires that we do the x-ray first before we do the MRI. And he had to say to the insurance company, I'm not paying for an x-ray because I already know it has nothing to do with a bone. It's all muscle. And he wouldn't have asked those questions or gotten that involved in the conversation unless it was his dollar that he was spending. So he's still getting the care, but he's getting engaged in the conversation so that the care that you're receiving is appropriate and not overkill to make somebody else dollars. Sounds like we need a different system, not just the tweaks, as we said earlier. There's disruption that needs to happen here. There's a lot of conflict of interest. We need to harvest data. It sounds like we need to do something new, but when you're going to do something new and disruptive, we know how that works in the business world. There's winners, there's losers. Who's the first winner that comes to your mind? Us, as the consumer, <laughs> absolutely. If we start to consume healthcare like we consume other goods, we actually drive costs down and we create a competitive system. It's gonna help our employers drive costs down and those dollars that we save the employer can be reallocated into additional benefits. So we benefit from it. And that's what we're trying to encourage employers today to look at. Changing plan design doesn't necessarily mean that your employees lose. It's just a new way of viewing the world in a way that's going to drive costs down and provide consumerism, which is beneficial to the marketplace and beneficial to your organization and your employees. Because when you put those dollars, those savings into a, a health savings account for your employees and they start to become consumers, they have the ability to build medical equity and that equity can be used throughout their lifetime on healthcare expenses, not just today, not tomorrow, but also well into retirement. And that's a huge win for us. Who's going to be the losers if this disruption takes place? I would say there's no losers. I would just say that we create a more competitive marketplace and insurance companies are going to have to kind of take a look at if how they're running their business today is appropriate moving forward in the new world. That's well said, but I'm, I'm still going to push it. 
who's going to fight it? <laughs> the lobbyists, of course, the, the insurance companies, that, that's who's going to put, that's who's going to fight it. I mean, just look at, you know, again, at the beginning of this year, there was a transparency reg that came out and uh, the hospitals needed to start to provide information around cost of care when a patient walked in. And that's going to hit them in 2021, January 1st, 2021. And the, health, uh, the hospitals tried to sue to say, hey, we can't you know, disclose this information. It, it's, it's proprietary. And we're, we're dealing with insurance companies and can have negotiated rates. And if we do that, our market's not going to be competitive any longer. Well, it was thrown out. And now hospitals need to, starting January 1, 2021, provide a readable place where you can actually see, you know, whether it's on their portal or their website, um, or they hand you a list of, of procedures, you have to know what things cost. And that to me is a good thing. But uh, the lobbyists push hard to try to get that removed. So let's shift gears and, and go towards something more tactical. You're certainly asked on a regular basis about HSAs and health plans, and it's all part of your practice. So if a plan sponsor says, explain the HSA to me, Jamie, how do you approach that? The first thing that most employers don't understand, or I shouldn't say employers, the first thing that most people don't understand is that the S in health savings or HSAs actually say, uh, is for savings. So health savings account, that means that you don't need to use it by the end of the year like you do in a flexible spending account. That's the first thing that we talk about, that it's a triple tax-free savings vehicle, free from FICA as well, which means that you and the employer make a contribution into the HSA. You've saved 15.3% in taxes right off the bat. Those dollars can be invested and they can grow throughout your lifetime. <clears throat> and these dollars can be used for healthcare expenses and retirement. I think there's a blind spot for most people. They think when they retire that this great system called Medicare kicks in and takes care of them for the rest of their life. And the reality is, is that Medicare only covers about 59% of our healthcare costs in retirement. And it has premiums attached to it. Those premiums are based upon your modified adjusted gross income, which means that you could pay more in premiums if your modified adjusted gross income is higher. So when you start to talk about this with an employer, a light bulb goes off and they usually say, wow, we've been doing this wrong the whole time. We should be putting and saving in our health savings accounts as opposed to putting and spending just like we do in the FSI. So saving versus spending, triple tax-free excellent way to launch into that conversation. What about when a person says, why don't I just do a Roth RIA instead of the HSA? Isn't that just as good, Jamie? So there are two different accounts. A Roth IRA has been set up with tax advantages for retirement. So you put your dollars in after taxes and it grows tax-free until you take it out at retirement. Great, but you just pay taxes on it. And it's really set up for things like the essentials or going to have a trip with your grandchildren or go around the world. A health savings account is set up for specifically for healthcare expenses. Now we know healthcare expenses are not necessarily a, a destination. We don't know when that's gonna happen. We know when we're gonna retire, 67, 
70, whatever the age is. But we don't know when we're going to have a health care spend. The health savings account is set up so that you can save dollars for whenever the health care expense comes your way, whether that's in retirement or prior to it. And you put your money in before taxes, it grows tax-free. And if you take it out from medical expenses, it comes out tax-free. So different accounts for different reasons. How about a shout out to a vendor or a company or maybe some product that you think is doing real good work out there in the marketplace? Well, I have to say there's been a few uh, vendors of mine that have followed me down the rabbit hole with this HSA conversation. Franklin Templeton has been a big uh, um, supporter of mine. BlackRock, um, MFS has also, Lord Abbott um, and State Street have all been on board, early adopters um, and American funds as well really trying to, to beat the drum and get uh, retirement advisors, you know, thinking and, and talking about HSAs. I think we have an opportunity to own this conversation and to have real impact on individuals. And so I appreciate that they've been supporting me <laughs> uh, because, you know, sometimes when you're first out there, you get shot with a lot of arrows. Um, so they've been very supportive and I appreciate that. As you go through this process and learn about HSAs and healthcare in the system, um, obviously your eyes have been opened and you've shared a lot of stats. I'm furiously taking notes over here. I mean, it's eye-opening for me as well, some of the things that you've said. But you're not just learning new information. Sometimes as we learn, all of a sudden we realize, man, I had that backwards. I did not understand that. Can you point to something along the way you learned where you just had it completely backwards or you were thinking about it one way and realized, you know what, that's not 100% true. Anything impactful you could share? Yeah, so when we first started on the journey around HSA accounts, I thought that we were talking to people about investing and saving. And um, similar to we do how we talk in the 401k plan. Okay, you're going to save 3% of your salary. Your company's going to give you a match. And ultimately, let's help you set up your proper asset allocation. But the more information I received and the more research I did and the more focus groups I spoke to, the more I realized that the HSA is an awesome account, but that's not the starting point. The starting point before you think about investing or saving is teaching people that they have to become consumers of healthcare. And once they start to consume healthcare in a more efficient manner, they're going to drive costs down to allow their employers to actually provide better benefits. And that to me was a change in the way that I thought about HSA accounts. I really thought of them as, hey, this is a great savings account. Why isn't anybody using it? And it really turned out that that wasn't the issue. The issue is, is that people aren't consuming healthcare properly. Think about it. Like, do you walk into a grocery store, bring a gallon of milk home with you, consume it, and get a bill three months later? By the way, you can't understand what the bill says. And then you know that, wow, I owe $1.50 for the gallon of milk that I, I drank. But if I went to another uh, supermarket and drank the same gallon of milk, it would have cost me $2.50. I, we just don't consume healthcare the same way, and yet it is, it is a consumable good. Final question. If you've listened to the podcast, you know the magic wand. 
And this is the Disney certified magic wand, where if you wave it, you can change anything you want in the world. If I gave the magic wand to you, Jamie, and my daughters would not allow that, so I'm sorry. <laughs> I not give you the magic wand. But if I could, what would you like to change out there? Time. <laughs> I'd like to have more time. I'd like to go back a few years, have all the knowledge I have, have more time for my family, more time for my passions. Um, and have more impact on people that, that I, I work with and care about. Um, but time, I think, is the biggest thing I'd change. Sounds more like time travel. I'd take that, too. <laughs> yes. And let's get rid of the gray, then, also. <laughs> Any final thoughts? No, thank you so much for having me. And um, hopefully the more people know and understand, the more that they'll want to learn. And when they do learn, I think it opens it up for... Um, you know, change and, and change to me is a good thing in, in this situation. Great way to finish. Thanks so much for being on the show, Jamie. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Outcomes. Subscribe now to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Advisor 2X. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service providers with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning.